0: To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot slash FilmDaily.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta. And joining me on today's podcast is slash Home Senior Writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Writer, Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. So we didn't have a podcast yesterday. Uh, the news is just like so depressing. It's it's all coronavirus. It's all, you know, things are getting shut down. Things are not ha- happening. Things are getting delayed. Bad, 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 bad. Uh, So we decided to take a day off, and we were going to do a water cooler episode today, but uh, Jacob was unable to make the water cooler episode today, so we're going to do that tomorrow. Uh, So we have some news today, and some of it's not coronavirus, so we'll start off with that. We'll start off with the... the I guess the happy news is it happy news I don't know it's just not coronavirus news so I I, I guess it's it's away from what you're hearing everywhere else so let's let's start off happy by default (laughs) (laughs) yes let's start off with Vin Diesel who claims that Steven Spielberg wants him to direct again not only wants him to direct again but it says if he doesn't it would be a crime of cinema (laughs) Chris tell us about this
2: Yeah, so I actually didn't even know that Vin Diesel had directed a a movie, but he did back in 1997. It was called Strays, and he directed it, he wrote it, he starred in it, he funded it by working as a telemarketer, that's how he he made all the money to make the movie, and he hasn't, you know, he's done a few, like, shorts, and he, he directed actually a TV show episode since then, but he hasn't directed a feature film since then. And uh, he, was, he did an interview recently where he said he, he, he ran into Steven Spielberg recently. And uh, Steven Spielberg, of course, directed Vin Diesel in uh, Saving Private Ryan. And according to Vin Diesel, Steven Spielberg told him, you know, you really need to get behind the camera again and make a movie. And, and the quote was uh, – <clears throat> let me bring it up so I can <laughs> have it uh, – I want to get this exact. So he said, quote – when i wrote the role for you in saving private ryan i was obviously employing the actor but i was also secretly ch- champing the director in you and you have not directed enough that is a crime of cinema and you must get back in the directing chair that is uh according to vin diesel what steven spielberg said to him so whether or not it's true or not i i don't know if he, he used those exact words but uh Yeah, so there you have it. Vin Diesel get behind the camera again because Steven
1: Spielberg told you. Yeah, and uh, Vin Diesel has a quote too that like comparing himself to John Favreau, or I guess he was at Sundance with John Favreau, right? right? Yeah. So
2: when when Vin Diesel took Strays to Sundance at the same time, uh, Swingers was there, and John Favreau (laughs) he didn't direct Swingers, he wrote it, but he was uh, Doug Liman directed it. But John Favreau was at is at the same time and apparently they became friendly there and uh so yeah Vin Diesel was like you know ah John Favreau is out there making you know the Lion King and all this stuff and uh, I I should be doing that as well so
1: go, <laughs> go for it Vin that's what I say <laughs> Chris I know you you know you love Steven Spielberg I love Steven Spielberg uh you know he's one of the gods of cinema if he actually said this to Vin Diesel, do you, do you think like he actually has this belief that Vin Diesel could be like one of the great directors, or do you think he's just like, you know, saying it to say?
2: I don't know. I don't want to call Mr. Vin Diesel a liar, so I I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. All I know is if Steven Spielberg came out to me and was like, "You should direct," I would be like, "All right, I guess I will," because you know what you're talking about, Steven Spielberg. <laughs>
1: uh does this mean that this you know this self-imposed quarantine that we're gonna have to watch a film directed by vin diesel
2: i hope we are i hope he like goes out there and he makes like a masterpiece and he blows us all away like he wins oscars and stuff that's what i want to happen well, I wasn't he's even spent, talking for about a that a long, long time. He's been talking
0: about making a trilogy about uh, Hannibal, like um, crossing the Alps and like this, you know, ancient uh, battle driven trilogy. <laughs> I remember him talking about that like at yeah. least 10 years ago. Um, I guess he's just maybe maybe this is the uh, maybe the, the Spielberg comment is the kick in the pants he needed to really get him <laughs> get him going on
1: that. I mean, he seems to butt a lot of heads as producer on the Fast and the Furious movies. He is a producer, right? Yes. I think, yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, director, you have to be kind of a people person. Like, you kind of have to, like, get the team all rallied together in one vision. And I just don't feel like Vin Diesel is that person. But I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll have to go explore strays, which I've never seen. So maybe we'll talk about that in a future water cooler episode. Uh, another thing happened this week is they announced the Razzie Awards 2020 Uh, Award winners, losers, (laughs) whatever it is. Uh, I I guess they can't even have an award ceremony this year, right? Kind of (laughs) sad. Ben, tell us about it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, they were planning to have a big uh, ceremony, and a lot of times um, people will actually show up to accept the awards. I think uh, Halle Berry did it, uh, Sandra Bullock did it, two Oscar-winning actresses actually showed up in person to accept their Razzie Awards uh, in various years. But uh, this year, because of the coronavirus, basically they just um, turned the whole thing into a YouTube video instead and released the winners that way and canceled their you know, red carpet, glamorous, uh, golden raspberry awards celebration <laughs> event. But uh, in any case, Cats from uh, director Tom Hooper was the biggest, I guess, winner- loser of the night. I don't know what you want to say, but they uh, they took home six Razzies, including worst picture of the year. Uh, I think they had worst supporting actor for James Corden, worst supporting actress for Rebel Wilson, uh, worst director for Tom Hooper, uh, worst screenplay by Tom Hooper and (laughs) Lee Hall for Cats. And then uh, they also had, uh, they, they won the award for the worst screen combo. And the winner was any two half feline slash half human hairballs for Cats. So, Uh, There were, uh, I mean, a decent number of uh, terrible movies that came out last year. I feel like the Razzies, as usual, is just sort of, um, you know, going after the low-hanging fruit here. I would be much more interested in the Razzies if their categories were, um, if the nominees in a lot of their categories were much more varied. Because it would show me that whoever the hell the voting members of the Razzies are actually watched a ton of bad movies over the course of the year instead of just... Um, sort of glomming on to the movies with like the worst Rotten Tomato score, for example. Um, so, you know, the raz- Razzie's gonna Razzie, I guess, is the, the motto of this whole thing. There is one thing that I wanted to mention that I, I'd never heard of, and I don't know if this is a new thing or if I've just never paid much attention to the Razzie's before, but they have this thing called the Razzie Redeemer Award that Eddie Murphy won this year, and I think he probably won a Razzie for norbit or one of those movies during that awful eddie murphy stretch uh but he won this redeemer award for his performance in dolomite is my name and i thought that was kind of a cool thing that the razzies do where like it's actually like a positive thing instead of um you know trying to dunk on people um it's like hey you were a previous uh razzy winner but you're your star is on the rise so congratulations to you so uh yeah congrats to eddie murphy on his razzy redeemer award yeah
1: Ben's talking mad smack on uh, the Golden Raspberry Award organization, which is apparently composed of, quote, filmmakers and very opinionated film buffs from around the world, unquote. I'm wondering how (sighs) many people. And I'm also wondering what filmmakers are part of the Razzie or the Golden Raspberry Award organization
0: yeah i wonder yeah what what do they c- count as a film is it uh you know like a a um <laughs> i don't even know what an example would be like a, a corporate video do they count that or uh i don't know we'll see what happens
2: or tiktok if you made a tiktok are you a filmmaker in, the, yeah.
1: in yeah. the razzie's eyes we need to do an expose on who exactly are, are voting members in this organization and then, you know what, We next year we got to take this more seriously, guys. We got to, you know how, like, uh, who is it, Hollywood Reporter publishes, like, the early ballots from, like, Academy members? We got to <laughs> start publishing the early ballots from the Raspberry, uh, Golden Raspberry uh, Award organization people.
0: Do we, Peter? Do we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what, I, I don't hate the idea of the Raspberry, uh, uh, the Razzies. Like, I, I think there could be some fun to be had here. But I agree with you, Ben, like it does. It seems like the people voting on these awards have seen like the the five biggest bad blockbuster movies of the year. Do you know what I mean? Like, it it seems like. Yeah. like, Like, why not get like a good organization of critics that have actually seen like as many films as Chris has seen last year? How many is that, Chris? Uh, two. I saw two movies last year. <laughs> no, I don't, <laughs> I don't
2: know. I don't know. Hundreds, A lot. Hundreds. Yeah,
1: he's yeah. seen hundreds. Like, I would actually want to know what were the actual worst that you saw. Like, I, I feel like that would be an interesting thing. Like,
2: I not... mean, it's tough. It's, t- it's like you have to take into consideration because, like,
1: there but, are. But then you're punching are... down, right? Like, I feel yeah, like, like
2: there are yeah. movies that are made for like almost no money and they're like unwatchable. But it's like, is it really fair to be like? This was the worst thing ever made. It's like, well, yeah, obviously, this it cost five thousand dollars to make, but you know, it's 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 tough. But I, uh yeah, I, I see what you're saying for sure.
1: Maybe limit it to films distributed by. I don't know. How do you even consider like a major film company? Like maybe it's one one of the studios. I don't know. I don't know how you. I, I I'm trying to fix the Razzies here badly. Like, am I nuts? Is, is uh,
0: I mean, the, the Razzies may be unfixable, Peter, but I feel like you're putting in a valiant effort. So maybe one day you'll get to the bottom of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe one day. Uh, you know, th- this this uh, the self quarantine. I'm gonna I'm gonna use my creative efforts to f- fix the Razzies. Is what's going on? <laughs> uh, Westworld. Productive World- <laughs> use of your time. <laughs> yeah, Westworld season three aired this past weekend. And ratings are down. Chris, tell us about it.
2: Yeah, so the the Westworld season three premiere had a 57% drop off. Or 57% less people uh watched this premiere compared to the season two premiere. Um and you know, it's not All bad news, Um, it it still had the best premiere of any show on HBO this year. It it did better than The Outsider. It did better than The Watchmen premiere, but it's still significantly down from season two. And there could be, you know, a a myriad of reasons for that. You know, it was up against the the latest of the seemingly endless Democratic primary, so it had that going against it. At the same time, though, uh, season two really did seem to alienate a lot of viewers because – uh, I thought season two started off strong, but I agree that also as it went on, it got really needlessly convoluted and uh, I, you know, it just kind of like lost the narrative. And I feel like a lot of people got turned off of the show yeah. and maybe they just weren't itching to come back for season three.
1: I'm a person who loves mystery boxes. I love twists and turns if they're done well, but it felt like season two was more of like, it felt like homework. Like I had to like, watch an episode and then like you know search some reddits online and then listen to some podcasts and to like understand what was going on and it wasn't fun yeah you need to like take notes as you were watching it like even i was like i actually did the you know the
2: weekly reviews last season and even i was like who the hell like i kept losing track of what was going on just because it was so convoluted
1: yeah uh we'll talk about this season on tomorrow's watercooler but uh i I would venture to say it's a lot more fun than last season what, what, what yeah, would I mean, you say in a couple words Chris?
2: uh you know, I've seen the first four episodes. um I do think it's it's I don't want to say course correcting, but it is more entertaining than season two, but I also do think season three has still has that mystery box problem, which it's it's not as bad as season two yet, but it's I can feel like it's sort of drifting in that direction and I, I really hope it uh. It pulls up before it gets that far.
1: Okay. We've reached the end of the news that is not about the coronavirus. We're about to enter the coronavirus zone. Uh, Let's start off with um, how the coronavirus is hurting film crew members because you're hearing about all these productions shutting down. Like you know, they're they're shutting down these productions. What what many people don't know is when they shut down these productions, uh, these crew members are not just like given a paycheck while the you know the time is off. Like they're they're let go. Uh, so Ben, t- tell us about this.
0: Yeah, a lot of the they called they're called uh, below the line people who who work basically their names are not the ones that are you know flashy and above the title and and they're they're all the people whose names show up in the credits as you're just sitting through waiting to watch the the next Marvel stinger basically. Um, a lot of these people work as essentially part-time employees who um, don't receive you know benefits or paid sick leave and stuff like that. They're like nomads who jump from one production to the next in order to meet, Union union requirements for the the lucky ones who are actually part of unions. Um, it, it's kind of a it's a tough job even in really really good times. Obviously, the coronavirus has made this not a good time. So this is uh yeah a, a pretty um, disastrous period for anybody who works in film production. Um, the long and short of it is that there aren't any official plans that have been put in place yet to try to help out these people financially, but they're, according to Variety, there's a growing consensus that uh, crew members who are not under long-term contract to a given production will re- receive at least two to three weeks of straight-time paychecks, uh, which means 40 hours a week. So. Uh, Disney's TV group may be giving them three weeks' pay as a starting point. Uh, Warner Brothers is believed to have committed to two weeks of full pay for full-time employees. Um, it's unclear if that's going to extend to production crew staffers, because Warner Brothers actually has people who you know, give tours on the lot and work in restaurants on the lot. So those are the kind of people that are being um, eyed for this Warner Brothers sort of relief program. Um, Netflix is going to be giving two weeks of pay for its crews in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, on the shows that they produce in house. So, you know, that sounds like a good starting point for some, but the 40 hours a week thing is really a sticking point for people because a lot of these crew members are the people who you always, I mean, you never really hear about them. They're the people who are there, you know, hours before everybody else they're there hours after everybody else goes home because they're the ones who are you know laying dolly track and like you know setting up lights and all that kind of stuff that that has to happen to get these productions moving and and you know they're the lifeblood of the industry um they often work something like you know 60 to 100 hour work weeks so these checks that they're talking about for 40 hours are you know it's better than nothing certainly but um yeah, this is the part of the show where we just talk about depressing things because <laughs> there isn't really like a, a good, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows, um, you know, when productions could theoretically get back up and running again. So there's no real easy way to plan for how to help these people. And uh, they don't know whether the federal government's going to step in and help out or um, whether they're not going to be. You know classified as the type of workers who could receive aid you know in, in terms of bailouts and stuff like that so it's just a really uncertain time for a lot of folks out there right now
1: yeah it's really tough uh you know and it it's gonna get it's gonna get worse like uh yesterday we heard that almost every single movie theater in the united states is going to be closing chris what do we know
2: yeah so uh all week we've been getting you know <laughs> updates on this um at first uh amc theaters announced they were reducing capacity by 50 percent then they dropped it down to 50 people total uh we also heard that regal theaters were closing and now um there's an update on all this where amc alamo draft house cinemark and landmark theaters are all closing for the foreseeable future um you know they all have basically the same message that this is supposed to be temporary and uh, we hope to be back soon but no one really no one really knows uh when this is going to end and when these theaters are going to come back and how they're going to come back because a lot of these theaters don't have uh money to burn and they're definitely yeah. going to be suffering during this time so it's a very uh confusing time for mo- for the movies like you know it's like i i don't know i don't know where this is going basically
1: yeah and uh, there's also you know a lot of employees nationwide of these chains that are getting little to no uh, money while these theaters are shut down like suddenly like just you know suddenly like not getting a paycheck and these are people that are working full-time for you know big corporations so it's a a pretty crazy time Uh, we'll talk about uh, the future of exhibition in just a few seconds but before we get there uh, we have been talking about how some of these movies have been put straight to VOD or straight to rental. They're taking some of these theatrical movies and, you know, bringing them to the home uh, while everybody is quarantined in their own houses. And, uh, Ben, is that going to happen for all movies?
0: Well, the National Association of Theater Owners saw all of that coverage and basically wants everybody to pump the brakes a little bit. They uh, released a statement, essentially, the, the most important part of their statement is, Uh, I'll I'll just read it here. Although there has been speculation in the media that the temporary closure of theaters will lead to accelerated or exclusive releases of theatrical titles to home streaming, such speculation ignores the underlying financial logic of studio investment in theatrical titles. To avoid catastrophic losses to the studios, these titles must have the fullest possible theatrical release around the world. Um, So that's the, the gist of their argument. They're basically saying, hey, everybody who's, you know, claiming that all of this marks the death of movie theaters forever, uh, that's not necessarily true. Because as we saw, even, you know, we, we were talking about this a couple days ago on the podcast and even since then uh, Disney has delayed Black Widow so they could have if they wanted to put Black Widow straight on Disney Plus or you know made it available um you know for a rental or or whatever but they decided to delay that movie and I think it's because of the the reasons that we were talking about before the reasons that the that the National Association of Theater Owners brings up here Essentially, Disney spent too much money to make Black Widow for it to be you know, financially viable for them to just release it on a streaming platform, even though the world is in an uncertain state right now. They're banking on the fact that theaters are going to exist when all of this is said and done and that people will, you know, go and, and see their movies uh, when it's safe to do so, essentially, and that they'll be able to make more money that way than they would, you know, putting it straight to streaming. So, um yeah, that's the latest
1: there. It's going to be interesting this Friday when, what is it, some of the Universal films are hitting VOD for the first time from theatrical? Mm-hmm. I believe yep. so. I believe it's this Friday. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how quickly those films get pirated. You know, will those films get more, like, uh, more downloaded illegally than other previous films if we compare those numbers because, you know, those seed numbers are out there. Uh, unfortunately, movie studios don't release – I don't think they've uh, released the digital rental numbers, right? Like those aren't available anywhere publicly. So I'm not sure we're going to have a good indication of like how well, you know, this new way of going, you know, (laughs) bypassing the theater and going direct to the home is actually going to do. But one thing's for sure. It's not good for the movie theaters that we mentioned previously, all these movie theaters that are shut down. uh, There's, only i think 20 percent u.s theaters remain and this could be could lose up to two billion at at the box office chris tell us about that
2: i mean yeah you you pretty much said it all uh at this point there are only 20 20 percent of u.s theaters remaining and uh right. that is gonna be catastrophic for all of these theaters um the the industry could lose up to two billion dollars, um, uh, as as we go on, and that's just you know an estimate. It could be worse. Yeah. Maybe it'll be better though. Let's uh, let's be positive.
1: It could be better. I mean, one of the. Sa- want to pose- Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say one of the saddest things here in in, in this piece is that I think there was like an analyst or something saying how they can't even imagine that AMC is gonna be alive after this, like that they that they are gonna reopen. And AMC is the biggest movie theater chain in this country. So, what what is going to happen?
0: Like, what yeah, if- I was actually going to say, uh, there's, uh, you know, I wrote about this just very briefly, sort of as an aside in the piece about the National Association of Theater Owners statement. But I, I sort of speculated, like, maybe if movie theater chains have to close down, um, and you know, something like AMC or Regal or one of those big chains goes out of business. I wonder if the studios themselves would sort of swoop in and try to purchase those theaters. Because I think we talked about this when I wrote about it, but there's this thing called the Paramount Consent Decrees. It's this really old law that basically uh, prevented theaters from owning their own, or I'm sorry, uh, studios from owning their own theaters. It sort of broke up the monopolies that used to happen in the old, in the golden age of Hollywood and all that. It seemed like, um, you know, late last year, that those decrees were going to be essentially wiped away and all of those rules would no longer apply. So it seems to have paved the way for theaters, or I'm sorry, studios to maybe be able to swoop in and, and buy up these theaters themselves if they're closed down. And that would maybe be a way for them to ensure that, you know, there yeah. would be a place for people to watch things like black widow and F nine and all that stuff that are, that's supposed to be released, you know, next year or later this year or whatever. What do you think about that?
1: I mean, Analysts did estimate that Amazon spent six billion dollars on content for Prime Video in last year. So AMC, you could buy a company like AMC, you know, before this whole thing happened for two hundred and fifty million dollars. It's like a drop in a bucket. Like it, it, it's nothing for like a company like Amazon. So I'm, I'm wondering. I remember when we were first talking about this, Chris, you were very worried about the prospect of like Amazon and Netflix buying movie theaters, but maybe they're going to be the, the superhero savior that we need. I mean, yeah.
2: Back then I had no idea a pandemic was coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, no, no, no. I, no.
2: I'm just saying like, yeah, who knew that, you know, at the time I was like, this doesn't seem like a great idea, but now, now that the world is ending, maybe it is a good idea. Who knows? But it's it's weird though because then you enter that area where like is every studio gonna own their own movie theater and you know uh, where's the uh, <laughs> I don't want to say accountability but like they you know they they're gonna hold all the cards basically if that happens mm-hmm. it's like I I'm always wary when anyone any company has too much power and that seems like a lot of power but
1: I don't I don't know where we're going so yeah I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about TV for a second here, because a lot of I mean, almost every single production TV or film has shut down. And I remember this kind of thing happened during like the writer's strike uh, back in the day. And like we got a lot of TV shows that uh, ended suddenly or ended abruptly. And we're were not didn't really have these endings. What is going to happen? Ben, like, do we know what is going to happen with TV?
0: Well, it's unclear still, but a new report at Vulture says that basically all of the major network TV shows are just not going to be able to finish their current seasons. So um, a lot of the shows that are currently airing right now have already started airing their seasons, still had, you know, anywhere from one to four episodes left to actually, you know, complete production on. And as you mentioned, everything's been shut down because of the coronavirus, so... The, the new information is that uh, executives at the major broadcast TV networks are now working under the assumption that few, if any, of the dozens of series that halted production in recent days because of the coronavirus pandemic will be returning anytime soon. It now seems, seems almost certain that most series already on the air will end their seasons early, anywhere from one to four episodes short of their planned full season orders. So essentially the reason for this is, you know, they shut down the productions. Let's say that in a best case scenario, the CDC lifts the restrictions on social distancing and all that kind of stuff within, I don't know, the next few weeks. Uh, At that point, the productions would have to try to ramp back up again. But, you know, in between now and then, actors could have signed new deals, you know, uh, setting up new projects that start filming later on in the hopes that they would you know, be able to jump from one project into, into the next, right. When this thing, you know, finally lifts, uh, you have to get the crews back together and they also are, you know, theoretically jumping around and, and looking for other gigs and stuff as well. You have to, you know, hire uh, production assistants and, and pay for office space and rentals and, and catering companies and all that stuff. There's like huge costs associated with shutting down a show and then starting it back up again. And it's just so uncertain that it seems very, very unlikely that a lot of the shows that are airing right now are going to be able to finish out their season. So some shows have already finished uh, production like Modern Family, I think, is one they mentioned, and something called Carol's Second Act. So all the big Carol's Second Act fans <laughs> out there, uh, you know, they they wrapped production weeks ago, so their their full seasons will air as planned. But um, for a lot of things, uh, you know, it, it's probably just gonna seasons are just gonna end with maybe uh, in in a more cliffhangery fashion than they would have wanted, or just more abruptly than they would have wanted. Um, I guess one note here is that this mostly applies to broadcast shows. Because a lot of cable and streaming shows end up wrapping production before their first episodes actually air, and then obviously something like Netflix airs all of them at once. So um, it's unlikely that there will be you know shortened seasons for uh, shows on you know cable and and uh, streaming networks. But it, it still could happen as well. And then um, the other thing is that they're looking at a lot of delays for upcoming shows. They think that a lot of productions are going to follow in the footsteps of Fargo, of what FX did with Fargo, which was just a couple days ago, uh, delayed the release of its fourth season. So they don't want to um, you know, start something that they can't finish, basically. So they're just going to sort of hold off and see how this whole thing plays out and maybe be able to to uh, time it out and game it out a little bit differently uh, in the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, and, and what you mentioned is also relevant for movies as well, like film productions that have shut down like Uncharted, like, you know, with Tom Holland, they were rushing that. The reason why they, like, changed director so many times within a short period of time to get that into production is because they needed to go into production before Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man was the hard-out that Tom Holland needed, and they needed to film this and get it done before then. And now with... I mean, I assume once they you know they go back into production that that, that time for tom holland's not going to be there so it's great right. it's going to be interesting uh I, I don't think we mentioned on a previous podcast but the uh, the avatar sequels have also shut down production in new zealand so uh there's a chance that avatar 2 will get delayed yet again that would probably be like the sixth delay in that film's uh, history uh and i do want to jokingly brag here that i i was i was the one on our uh Upcoming movies of the year, when we were, were most uh, anticipated movies of the year, I was, I was trying to push for the Doug Lyman film, which ended up not being on the release slate for this year. Ended up being on, on next year's release slate, And you guys all made fun of me, and you were like, you were right. And, rightfully so. You guys were right. I shouldn't have argued for a film that didn't have a release date for this year. But I, I, I want to gloat and say that you guys were all wrong, because most of the films that you picked <laughs> that had release dates for this year are not going to come out this year. So... So there. <laughs> yes, we're all winners now. <laughs> yeah. Uh we have a big list on the site. Uh Brad is putting it together of all the Hollywood uh coronavirus cancellations, film, TV, entertainment events impacted by this pandemic. So if you want to see a list of everything, it's put together in like one long article. You can see it there. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at com. You can find this podcast slash home Daily, published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at com. and rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word and we'll see you tomorrow.
2: Damn, we'll be shut down. So then we can move on and talk about
1: other stuff. Yeah, but like yeah. what is it going to be? Like it's going to be yeah I mean, there's
2: still you know there's still uh well i guess <laughs> they're they're still streaming for now until everything that's already been made is, is out and then there's nothing i don't know i'm already i'm very anxious about all this because i'm worried it's like if there's no entertainment what are we gonna do and i don't hopefully it doesn't get yeah. that that point but of course if it does get that point i feel like work is the least part of our problem. Oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah we're like sure. fighting on the landscape against mad max <laughs> warriors by then so but it's
0: yeah, like I he, think there's enough stuff banked where hopefully we'll be okay but
1: i was gonna say even during the writer's strike there was like you know reality television saw a huge boom during that because of that like you know the, there was no quote-unquote writers for that or maybe they weren't writers guild of associate. Mm-hmm. uh so like i like now we're going to there's just going to be this like huge gap in content for us to like not cover. It's going to be. But
0: the thing is, like we could basically if we wanted to, we could just turn the podcast into like every day as like a mini version of the water cooler, because this <laughs> yeah. could be, you know, we've been talking for years about how there's too much content and there's never been enough time to watch everything. Now is the perfect time for people to just go back and watch stuff. That we've you know been wanting to see and just haven't had been able to make time for so at least we could just talk about content that already exists um you know that that would we're never going to run out of that so uh we can always talk about something
1: yeah i've definitely been watching more things while i'm stuck in my house so maybe maybe that is an option in between our news episodes (laughs) let's see it'll be it'll be interesting for sure